great start there uh, as I was caught off guard given the fact that I have terrible internet that's why we're late I honestly considered giving everybody the customer service email of the people who screw up my uh, internet at the local station here but I thought I thought there might be some legal ramifications for me if I do that given the way Bucknutters can operate and mass but this is the Bucknuts morning five it's November 10th I think 2022 feels like a Thursday so I got these guys here, Bill Kerlick and Mark Porter, the elite men on recruiting. However, today we are going to start with a quick look back at the Northwestern game because each week Mark goes into the film room and breaks down the most important plays from the most recent Ohio State game. And it was a wild game. I actually heard uh, NFL draft guru Dane Brugler say on his podcast yesterday that an NFL scout talked to him from the sidelines and said he had never seen the win that bad and that they're going to throw out the tape when it comes to C.J. Stroud because the conditions were ridiculous. However, they are not going to throw out the tape when it comes to running backs and other types of players, offensive linemen. Mark, what did you see from the offensive line? Uh, throw out the tape. Just throw it out. Uh, when conditions are that bad, and they truly were, and I've played in those conditions. I've coached in those conditions. I've golfed in those conditions where when you try to hit a ball through wind like that, that is very small, it doesn't go. It was a two or three club win for all the golfers out there. Um, you know, looking at the tape, when you're breaking it down, the very first play of the game, they caught us or not first play of the game. The first play I broke down, there was a simple hitch route. And as the corner comes up, you can see his short choppy steps in the wetness and that type of feeling instead of just coming up and trying to make a tackle. So, you know, I saw a couple plays later, you see uh, some footing issues with the running back who's trying to get a first down. You could see his foot dig and slip. Uh, so I think footing issues and stuff like that, I'm not trying to just say this was the single reason for the game being a little sloppier, but it really affects the players. You know, the explosion from an explosive player is gone in that type of weather. Uh, Ohio State's an explosive team. Uh, throw in a couple little, like, come out of the locker room and you're feeling a little chilly, you're not totally warmed up, it's not 80 degrees and sunny and you don't have that lather going, uh, it's a little different, you know. So it looked like that on film. Uh, there's a ball that hit a receiver right in the hands. He catches it probably nine times out of ten, but you could see it glance off his hands like a wet ball would do. Um, these things crop up on third downs. They crop up on key points of the game. And no excuses because Northwestern played in these same conditions – but it always favors the lesser team. It never, ever favors the team, you know, that can separate with their explosion, separate the point spread with big plays. It kind of changes gears, and uh, it's kind of like a 1980s, 90s throwback game where if you can't use the receivers and their speed, get the fullbacks and tight ends on the game, and let's try to mash in there. And then when you see them, uh, you know, in the run game, you'll see some one-on-one -on -one blocks that just simply were blown. And, you know, coaching football – uh, and I'm going to get in depth here for a second, but if you go to the tight end side and the fullback side, you probably got to execute 
four or five blocks to get a play to work. And I, I would tell their coaches I coached with, that's like executing a four or five team parlay. You got to get all of them to work because if one block doesn't work, the whole parlay is busted. But if you run to the split end side and you only have a tackle and a guard and maybe a fullback, you execute three blocks and a three team parlay is easier to execute than a five team parlay. And so you see Ohio State trying to run to some of these tight end sides and it's just simply one block in the five team parlay that goes bad. All the other blocks are executed and there's someone who gets blown up. And then, you know, the Buckeye fans are like, what's going on with the running game? Is it scheme? Is it whatever? And it's just simply a one man not being able to pull off the parlays. Uh, for lack of a better term right now. Not that I'm thinking gambling at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to see some Dallin Hayden that game only because I just felt like there was no burst from the running backs. Um, I know mine is coming off an injury, but it just didn't, we, we were like running in, in traction. It felt like once they got a little bit of a, some juice going, you know, kind of kicked in in the second half and, any football coach will tell you, especially in high school in the states where weather is an issue, many a state championship has been altered by the rain or weather. Rain is the great equalizer, man. It really is. I mean, I can tell you in the state of Virginia, I saw several state championships where the favorite was just neutered by the weather. And, you know, it becomes a fluky bounce of the ball game when the weather's like that. So, yeah, you, you can see. Go Go ahead. You can you can see athletes being careful with their footing and their pitter patter cuts instead of their put the foot in the ground cuts, and that changes who they are. The suddenness and the explosion is now equalized. Yeah, it was a it was a funky game. I'm glad they came out with the W. Obviously, vital. You know, Fitzgerald always does a great job against Ohio State. He did a really good job on Justin Fields a couple of years ago. You guys remember that? So. We will, we will rack it up to a quality W and go from there. All right, William. Are the Montgomerys, by that I mean Luke and Ryan, going to enter the Hall of Fame for Ohio State recruiting? It's one thing for them to be all over the internet. Uh, as you can see, Luke is about the most ferocious in-house recruiter we have. This weekend, he took it to a new level, though. I saw pictures of him in Georgia with recent recruit Caden McDonald. Are you worried, Bill, that Luke Montgomery will start his own recruiting service and take away your job? <laughs> the heir apparent, I guess. Um, I have to last a lot more years, though, because I think he's going to play uh, three to four good years at Ohio State and then uh, – play a few years in the NFL after that, for that matter. I could, I could I certainly see that happening. Yeah. He'll have uh, some disposable income if he wants to start a website. Yeah. That's uh but no, they, uh, the Montgomery's had quite the weekend in Georgia. And I talked to Ryan about this on Sunday and I had talked to Mike as their father, Montgomery, uh, some during the week and it all, uh, they had a really busy weekend. They drove down to Georgia, uh, just the guys, uh, mom wasn't with them, just the guys for a weekend in Georgia. Started off with Luke going to uh, Cade McDonald's high school game on Friday night. It was a playoff game, and Cade McDonald had quite a nice game. He had um, uh, a number of tackles for losses, a number of tackles, period, had a couple sacks, as I recall. Uh, but what's really interesting is the six foot two and three hundred and ten pound Caden McDonald 
averaged about eight yards of carry on offense. Tell me how often that happens. He rushed for 80 yards, I believe it was, on, I think, uh, 11 carries, two touchdowns, and led his team to a victory in the playoffs, First, his first game as a Buckeye commitment. So quite, quite a weekend. So Luke went to that game on Friday night. Then the whole group, all three of them, went to the Georgia-Tennessee game, and they, they said that was wild, crazy, everything you would expect, everything it looked like on TV. Uh, they said that that's the way it was in person. And Buckeye fans, Luke was not there as a recruit whatsoever. He went with his family. No chance he is going anywhere but Ohio State. But Ryan is certainly interested in Georgia. Um, when Ryan comes out with his final five, six schools, I expect three of them, I think, will be Ohio State, Georgia, and Tennessee. That's my prediction right now that uh, that those three um, – I'm sorry, Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan for Ryan, not, not Tennessee. They might be in there too, but uh, uh, I think three of his finalists, that's my prediction right now, will be Ohio State um, – like I said, Georgia and Michigan, when he eventually does that. Uh, then on Sunday, they kind of finished up the weekend with an NFL game. They went and saw the Atlanta Falcons and L.A. Chargers play, and it was just a really busy, fun weekend for the Montgomerys. I would love to take my sons on a similar weekend. I think we're going to have to hit the weight room, to get that kind of interest in Athens, but uh... – we will work on that. Here's what is interesting. Uh, B double 11, shoot 280. There's my third and one back. First of all, Caden McDonald is not 280. He's about 305, and I was told he may be more. I had Andrew Ivins on the show on Tuesday. He's not a gimmick as a running back. You mentioned the 11 carries, Bill. He's one of the running backs on that team. Like, he is a yep. – I don't know how to put that into words because I've never seen a 305-pound back. I'm just thinking to myself, and obviously, you know, we get a little. My senior year of high school, I played defensive back at about 160 pounds, 165 pounds, and I would have made a serious business decision on dude. I can tell you that right now. Huh. I would have, uh, I would have gotten the Caden McDonald flu long before I tried to make that tackle. But it does let you know he is an athletic dude, and it's definitely worth to go watch the tape and check it out because. He is uh, – it's 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 not like they're putting him in in just like refrigerator Perry situations. He's part of the offense. Yep. And it's like – it's a sight to behold, man. I will tell you that. So um, – Make, Makes you wonder who – I wonder, I wonder if, if uh, you know, Ryan Day has come up with some new kind of scheme here to get Caden McDonald involved. That would certainly be uh, interesting. But uh, anyway, you know, Go ahead. You know, Dan, there's there a lot about talk about the defensive tackles uh, and all. These two guys, and I'm talking about Caden McDonald and Will Smith, are not the highest rated guys you're going to find, but they're good. They are really good. Um, that staff at Caden McDonald's school, high school, um, they know recruiting and they know uh, they've been around the game. They, they're not given to hyperbole, that staff. And they are really high on Caden McDonald. Uh, don't worry about the fact that even though he had a Georgia offer, that they didn't really go all in and pursue him all out. That's only because they were looking for different body types, the bigger 6'4", uh, 6'5", 325-pound interior lineman in this cycle. 
But, you know, that staff raves about Caden McDonald, uh, how good he is. And, and they don't just talk that way about anybody. They've had a lot of great players there. That's big. Obviously, that's big time football. I mean, I don't want to go off kilter here, but you could make an argument that right now Georgia might have as good a high school football as anyone in the country in terms of, I think if you start to break down the talent over the last three or four years, the biggest reason Georgia is now on the level of Ohio state and Alabama is not because Kirby smart is recruiting California and uh, you know, the Midwest it's because he's doubled down and getting, they're picking their, they're getting the pick of the dudes in Georgia and that's, you know, pound for pound. Probably the best state right now for talent. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and then tackle a ton of questions here. You guys have sent some really good ones. All right, let me write that down, 1230. Okay. Yakov 22 he's a regular. Let's, I think Bill's better for this one. Does Michigan go head-to-head more with Notre Dame or Ohio State in recruiting? Well, you know, that, that's kind of changed over the years a little bit. I would say probably right now Michigan probably goes head-to-head a little more with Notre Dame because, you know, the, Michigan just hasn't had a lot of success head-to-head with Ohio State in recent years and, and not in Ohio. Uh, it, Michigan, Ohio State has – you know, they, goes up, they go up there, but, you know, that's not one of their main states to recruit in. Ohio State is focused on Ohio. They're focused on Georgia. They're focused on Florida, those states. So, you know, the Michigan-Ohio State recruiting battles aren't what they used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the last one. Maybe Zach Harrison? I mean, the one where I really yeah, felt like it one. was a head-to-head. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, another one was Will Johnson that ended up at Michigan. He seriously considered Ohio State. Um, you know, he's playing – I don't know. I haven't watched enough of Michigan this year to know if he's starting or but. But I know he's playing for him. And, and and you know that was a kid that uh, at one point, you know, he was seriously considering Ohio State. Yeah, really, really highly regarded defensive back. All right, Mr. Porter, is that Gahanna running back a four star? Please tell us who that Gahanna running back is, and then your evaluation, sir. I think he's talking about the running back Hubbard, Dior Hubbard. Uh, last year I went to see Gahanna play, and I knew nothing about him, just watched the game. And he made three or four of the most explosive runs that I had seen all year. Uh, he had cut back and reversed the field. It was against quality competition. Uh, I'm not sure about the star rating. I haven't checked his tape this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Uh, he was one of my higher-ranked backs coming out of sophomore year. Uh, I saw Gahanna only for a half this year, and he didn't have, you know, of course, the same explosive half that he did in the past, and that's normal for my business when I go to see a half. But he could be. uh, I'll have to, you know, he'll be one of the players that we're probably talking about later on the board. Is he the best running back in Ohio for the class? I think he was in my top three or four coming out of sophomore year. Uh, Another running back up at West Holmes was really good, and I'm sure there are a few others we could probably get into in this class. But, yeah, he's definitely someone to notice. Uh, but I don't do one, two, three, four star rankings or five stars. So I don't know exactly what, you know, they're trying to get to with each barrier to get to the next side. But that sounds about right. Uh, he should have, he's definitely a three star. I bet you he's probably a four star. The kind of guy who's going to need to go and kill it at camp for the Buckeyes to uh, probably take a huge bite. 
I know Jordan Marshall, we know another back has already got an offer in the state, so it won't be easy. Basil Kilani. Good morning, fellows from Amman, Jordan. I bet you guys didn't know we were huge in Jordan. Oh, we are, we are huge there. Although we haven't seen much from the backup quarterbacks, how much confidence do you have in that room? Should Dan Company go and snag someone like DJU from Clemson? Clearly has the potential to be a big-time baller, but happens to be in the wrong place. I wanted to ask this one because DJ Uwe Ungale is the quarterback at Clemson. If he hasn't been pulled, he's in a competition with Cade Klubnik now. Next time he throws a bad pass, the crowd will let you know at Clemson, that's for sure. Perhaps you have heard of his younger brother, Mateo Uwe Ungale. Ohio State is recruiting heavily. So, given Ohio State's penchant for attracting highly regarded quarterbacks and their desire for Mateo Uwe Ungale, I think there is a building narrative here that people think there's going to be some kind of possible package deal if DJ does not like his situation at Clemson and we all assume CJ Shroud will go to the draft. We assume that because he's going to the draft. <laughs> Should Ohio State make a play for a guy like DJ? Do you think that would grease the skids for Mateo? How do you think that would affect Kyle McCord and Devin Brown? Bill, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Ohio State's track record when it comes to transfers in the portal has been to – find somebody or bring in somebody for the most part that they have a need at the position. Jonah Jackson, they had a need that year at guard, for instance, Justin Fields, they had a need at quarterback. Um, they just, they, you know, those years, they didn't necessarily have a starter ready at that certain position. And I'm not sure they feel that way at quarterback. I think they like Kyle McCord. I think they like Devin Brown. Um, they've got Brock Glenn coming in. Um, I don't, I don't know that they feel like they have to have a guy, um, at that position. And that's kind of been their track record. Now, you know, will they feel, feel that way, uh, in a, in a month or whatever, you know, we'll see, but I don't get the vibe that that's the feeling. I think they, uh, they feel like, um, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are going to be, and can be, are going to be good quarterbacks at Ohio State. Bill, do you hear anything out of the Uwe Ungale camp that would lead you to believe this is a possibility? I have not uh, to this point, really. Um, but again, you know, uh, Mateo, for instance, he doesn't—he doesn't say a whole lot. He's not a guy that uh, uh, is going to pick up the phone and just talk, uh, you know, that type of thing. If you're going to talk to Mateo, you're going to have to see him in person, basically. You have to go through Big Dave. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's uh, let's try and do this again here. We're back to the complaints about the offensive line. And I've actually heard this from several people. There's some angst with the idea of a zone blocking scheme. I have a guy I really, really trust who's not affiliated with anybody who called me during the game and said he just doesn't feel like the personnel fits his own scheme and he would like to see some other stuff. He mixed in a couple curse words too. He's an alumni. Scott Kaczynski. I feel like the running plays are too nebulous. Oh Lord. Mark, you got your, you got your dictionary. You're good. Okay. It seems like a lot of reach and stretch blocks. What we called quote fire blocks. 
It's hard to get a lineman to reach block every time. Mark, do you agree with Scott Kaczynski? Uh, do we have time for a dissertation on zone blocking? A short soliloquy would do. Yeah, I, I talked to a, a Big Ten head coach this year, and he said football got soft when linemen started running sideways at the snap of the ball. And he was referring to the zone running scheme. Um, if you're going to try to reach the outside shoulder of a man who is lined up outside of you, who is taught that if you ever get reached, you're going to lose your job and you're going to ask your lineman to reach block and have that assignment repeatedly throughout a game, you're going to have to give credit to the other team sometimes because they're doing everything in their power not to have that happen. In fact, sometimes they're even slanting to your strength where they're going to jump to the outside at the snap of the ball and not let you reach them. Now, the zone rock scheme is so great because if you can have one of your guys get to the edge of that shoulder and pin a, a defensive lineman, you've defeated the defense because now that gap is now conquered and there's going to be a natural void where you just, you know, escape. Zone running schemes to me work best when you have linemen that are bigger, stronger than the defensive line, and it's obvious. Uh, a caveman type of – we have all cavemen and you just have humans. We have these big beasts that just take two steps to the outside, they lock on you, and they push you downfield. Ohio State can do that to a lot of teams because they are the bigger animal, the stronger animal. Uh, when you equalize that with teams that are the same talent or weather conditions, that zone scheme becomes a problem. It's really hard to get your footing and reach guys who don't want to get reached. So the complaint usually is mix in some gap blocking, some zone blocking, sometimes where you step down and pin guys who are in a gap, and you can blow that gap open and kick out, the block down kick out theory, um, the, the tray theory, the power O theory. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, to, you know, not just zone. And I know they inside zone, which is basically uh, base blocking. But to answer your question, I, I see why people think that this zone scheme is so tough because maybe we don't have the weight on our offensive line and the girth to just manhandle guys and push them around like we're bigger than them again, in all situations. But for the most part, we're not bad at zone. I mean, it's, it's been a great scheme, and we have a great back that can get outside. And, you know, so it, there's a 50-50 there, and there, there's a debate there. And I'm sure the staff is having that same debate. Uh, and it's not a problem. But I think in weather like that, it, it gets exposed. And I think against great defensive linemen, you get exposed sometimes. And, and hats off to other teams who work hard. I, I always have to say, these other guys are working uh, seven days a week, too. Pat Fitzgerald is a really good defensive coordinator, regardless of his team's record. And those were literally the ideal conditions for them to do what they did. Now, this doesn't hold true for the Michigan game because we all know Columbus's weather can be goofy. But I talked to someone and they were making a big deal out of the Northwestern game and the playoff. And, the, and I was like, I'm pretty sure most playoff games are climate controlled environments that are set up for the passing game. They aren't played at noon on the road in the cold against a mediocre to bad opponent that the kids aren't going to get up for. So to extrapolate the Northwestern game to some kind of playoff argument as those outside the Columbus environs did, it's just, it's just silly. It, may, it, it was a waste of time. And listen, I realize people have to fill with content, but that was faulty. William, they're back. Rumors are Keon Keeley and Caleb Downs will be at 
the Michigan game, any truth to that or just a rumor? Obviously, Keon Kiwi, the defensive end from Florida, once committed to Notre Dame, has decommitted. Some think Alabama. I've had people tell me the further this goes, the more they like Ohio State. They think he's actually a better fit in the locker room in Ohio State than Alabama. I'm not even really sure what that means. Caleb Downs, he may be the best player in the country. I watched uh, some highlights of him. He's not just a safety. If you watch uh, his high school team play, and they're playing big-time Georgia football, he's their go-to guy, and he is and impressive as a smaller player, as you will see on the field. Bill, do you expect Keon Keeley and Caleb Downs to be at the Michigan game? I think the key word in that um, question is the word rumors, because that's what they are right now. They're rumored. Neither Keon Keeley nor Caleb Downs has confirmed to this point that they're going to be at that game. And Part of the thing is I think people uh, saw a tweet that Luke Montgomery put out about uh, uh, you know, seeing Keon, Caleb Downs, and Damon Wilson at the game. It, it, was, it was not a, you know, oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to see those guys at that game. It was more along the lines of, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's come up here and we'll see you at that game type thing. Um, I, I know Alabama feels like Caleb Downs is going to go to the Iron Bowl that weekend, and those games are on the same day, the same weekend. So, um, you know, we'll wait and see. That game is um, still, uh, you know, it's not till November 26th. So we've got over two weeks till that game, and a lot can happen. When you talk about unofficial visits, when a kid says, having done this for a long time, when a kid says that he's going to be at a certain game, um, you don't really know unofficial visit wise if he's actually going to get there. You know, a lot of times he will, but a lot of times he won't. So we got two weeks. Let's see what happens. And um, from a high state standpoint, certainly they're hoping those two guys are at that game. Bill, you rolled the crystal ball for Damon Wilson or Damon Wilson. I'm not sure how we actually do that. Mr. Wilson, I'll call him. Elite defensive end out of Venice, Florida. Georgia cranked it on him this past weekend, had him in town, and now you're getting some vibes that they may have pulled ahead in a tough race. I believe Alabama's also in the mix. You can correct that if you need be. But how do you feel about Damon Wilson now as opposed to when you rolled that ball towards Columbus? Well, uh, Alabama is recruiting him and in the mix. He has cons- He has been considering them, but – when he made his official visit to Ohio State, I was told by somebody very involved in that weekend that this is going to come down. And that was back in the beginning of September. Um, I was told back then this is going to come down to Ohio State and Georgia, and I don't think that has changed. I, I think Wilson is going to end up at Ohio State or Georgia. Um, I was told actually by uh, two sources uh, this weekend – that uh, very familiar with Wilson and and him being at that Tennessee Georgia game, that it is really a coin flip right now between Ohio State and Georgia for him. They said 50-50. They wouldn't even want to really make a strong guess of which one he's going to pick. I did crystal ball him to Ohio State because at that time um, it, it really looked like he was on the verge of committing. He didn't do it. He subsequently. Um, 
went to Georgia last weekend for the Tennessee game. It went well. Um, as you put it, Dan, Georgia has turned up the heat, and I just think it's uh, a coin flip. And I, I think if Damon really knew where he was going to go for sure right now, he would make that call, but he hasn't done that. I think he's still seriously considering both schools. I will say that's a strong sign for Kirby Smart and a change in Georgia. They have not really been traditionally able to go into Florida, for example, and battle all the Florida schools, Ohio State and Alabama, come out with guys like that. But you can see Georgia's reputation and, hello, the draft last year. Do not sleep on that when it comes to these guys. Every guy who goes to Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State now thinks they're going for three years and getting a huge check. So you better have shown them you can do that. And that first round for Georgia was big time. All right. We might start a brawl in here with this one, but we're going to finish with Yakov 22 before these guys tell us what they're doing this weekend. His top high his top Ohio high school running backs in the past 40 years. Now, to clarify, this does not mean Ohio State running backs. Otherwise, I'll be looking for Zeke's name in there somewhere, and it's not. This is guys who played in Ohio. And we're judging them as Ohio guys. Who better? to weigh in on this and the two gurus you see on your screen right here. Yakov 22 has him in this order. Robert Smith, I think from Euclid. Maurice Claret, Warren, Ohio. Give me the school. Beanie Wells, Akron. Is it Buchtel? Buchtel? Maybe Garfield. Okay. Uh, Kajana Carter is Westerville South. I'm asking. Uh, Carlos Snow, I don't remember exactly, although he was on the cover of – he was in Sports Illustrated when I was reading Sports Illustrated in the high school class when I was supposed to be paying attention. Bill or Mark, take your crack. Bill, you go first, considering the fact people are going to etch yours in stone, I think. Well, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree too much with the first four on that list, Robert Smith, Claret, In order? Charles. Uh, and, and Kajana Carter in that order. Um, I, I, I would probably tend to go with that order. You know, I will say that uh, we're kind of uh, splitting hairs because those four great are all great running backs. They're different types of running backs, but uh, uh, I, I tend to like that order, to be honest. Mark, the reason I said uh, Buchtels, I always remember Robert Smith versus Ricky Powers. And yeah. Ricky Powers who went to Michigan. Look, he's from Akron Buchtel. He's Buchtel. Yeah. Yeah, and those guys, that's around my uh, – like the guys I lived with in college played – some of them played football with Elvis Gerbach and Desmond Howard, and that's around that time, maybe a little bit afterwards. Yeah. But I do remember about that is Desmond Howard wore a red jersey in practice, uh, and he was a running back. By the way, that's not common. And my friend hit him once and was grabbed by the face mat and yelled. He said, I've never heard anyone yell, you do not hit Desmond. But um, anyway, what do you think of the list? That's a good list. I'm going to take it a different direction. I'm not going to beat those horses anymore. Uh, one of the first great running backs I ever saw first day on the job, Brandon Sane. Um, mm. I, uh, yeah. And you know what? I, uh, I remember helping Toledo get Kareem Hunt. Um, I remember going out to Iowa State and doing a meeting with their staff and saying the best running back I've seen all year is David Montgomery, even though he only has about six or seven hundred yards rushing. Uh, Benny Snell 
was another one that you, you know, you see with the Steelers exactly. now. And so, you know, if you go outside of the Ohio State window and you look at some other great backs, and, and since I've been doing it, personally watching guys on the field, there, there's some, and, I, and I'm sure I'm forgetting one right now. I'm sure there's a guy that everyone's like, oh, you didn't see this guy, and I'm sure I did. But uh, I remember Kareem Hunt and um, Dave Montgomery specifically because they weren't on great teams. They weren't in the spotlight. But when you saw them play, you're like, I don't even know if this kid needs blocking. That's the kind of level they were on in high school. I imagine if you went to the NFL right now and asked defensive backs a list of running backs they don't enjoy tackling, David Montgomery would be near the top of the list. That dude runs angry, man. And believe me, he has no blocking with the Bears. He runs like an – I want to swear when I say – you know what I mean? It, yeah. It jumps off – you're talking about the NFL, which is the highest level of football on the earth, and it jumps off the screen – that dude runs with an attitude. Uh, I'm I'm not going to pat myself on the back for this, but I remember telling the Iowa State staff that he had five construction barrels for offensive linemen that never came off the ball, and all the other defense had to do was just run by those construction barrels, and he would make them all miss and somehow end up with three or five yards. Uh, the most spectacular three or five-yard runs you've ever seen in your life and after a while, I'm like, if you can make people miss, you can play running back. Yeah, Mark, you're, I, I will say this. I always tell people the best compliment you ever gave anybody was, I think it was, it, they call him L.J. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Went to Michigan State. In high school, you told me it looked like a bear got loose at a campsite. I don't even at, know at what a, that at means. A day, at, a, at a daycare facility, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know it, what that means. Yeah, a, but, a baby uh, bear gets loose at a daycare facility, yeah. I wouldn't want to be in the facility. All right. Playoffs continue this weekend. Bill, you don't have any excuse to go see baseball games. <laughs> Where will you be this weekend? Then Mark, finish it up for us. I will be uh, in Mansfield. Not to see Mansfield, but the playoffs are in the third round. So that means they have gone to neutral sites in Ohio. And uh, the Maslin Tigers are playing Big Walnut and Garrett Stover in Mansfield on Friday night. So I will be at that game. Should be a good one. Uh, Maslin is the number one seed. Uh, Big Walnut is number five. Maslin's going to be the favorite. But uh, I've seen Big Walnut. They're pretty good. I think they can hang with them. We'll see if that happens. But uh, Maslin will be the favorite. And the other thing this weekend, we haven't mentioned, it's going to be an interesting recruiting weekend for Ohio State. Uh, not a, you know, a, like Notre Dame or Michigan weekend, but there's some good players coming into Ohio State this weekend. A. Ryan Carter, the linebacker from Tennessee, will be making his official visit. And then you've got Garrett Stover visiting Ohio State this weekend. Uh, Dylan Stewart, the defensive end edge from Washington, D.C., is probably going to be there, 80% chance, he told me. Uh, you've got Chris Henry, wide receiver from Cincinnati that Ohio State's offered. He's a 2026 guy. He's going to visit Ohio State this weekend. Jaden Riddell tight end from uh, Missouri, who I really like, just got offered by Ohio State uh, fairly recently, is going to be at Ohio State this weekend. So it, it's a pretty darn good group. There's some others too, but it's going to be an interesting weekend for Ohio State on the recruiting front. You mentioned uh, Henry being a 2026. That's, of course, uh, son of the late Chris Henry, who is now living with and the guard, uh, the guardianship has been passed on to Pac-Man Jones. So that's going to be a super interesting recruitment to follow, given it's you got the state of Cincinnati vibes, you got the 
Pac-Man Jones being a West Virginia alum, Chris Henry, a West Virginia alum. And Henry, we got, uh, he might have a chance to break the all-time BM5 record for mentions, given the fact he's at 2026. We will follow that. Marcus, where will you be? Yeah, I'll steal a little bit of Bill's thunder. Uh, we have a, last week in our uh, Ina Scott, we had Jermaine Matthews picking off, going for a touchdown, coming back to the camera. Garrett Stover did it last week, and he had a fumble re recovery right in front of the camera, ran down right to the sidelines, right by the camera again. So we got some great footage there. Uh, also saw last week Toledo Central Catholic. There's some great stuff there, some Pickerington North, Pickerington Central players. This week I'm going to head on the road and I'm going to go see Avon. We haven't seen Luke Hamilton yet this year. We're going to see if he's going to be a possible Ohio State offer. And then I'm uh, Saturday night going to go to the Deville, uh, Glenville. I saw their jerseys and now they're called Deville. So uh, I can't wait to see them play in the playoffs. Uh, should be a great game. Uh, you know, I, I expect Glenville to win, so I expect a lot of highlights on their end. We appreciate these guys stopping by. I am sorry about the technical difficulties. It gave us a late start, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Have a good one, Bucknutters. I'm not